Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Armago podcast. It's myself, Mark Bushby, joined today by Fiona Crackles. Just 21 years of age, Fiona Crackles has already won an Olympic medal for women's hockey. She rose up incredibly quickly at a young age to establish herself as an England under-18s captain before moving to Durham University, where she still studies her degree and was able to balance it alongside her hockey. A year in, she was captaining the Durham Ones before being picked up by the senior GB squad at a time when many of the players were injured. However, it wasn't long before Fiona had established herself as a crucial member of the team and was able to go out with the squad to win an Olympic bronze medal in Tokyo. She's incredibly humble and in this episode talks about her challenges with self-confidence despite her hard work and talent that she had to overcome when building up and competing in the Olympics. Now, last week, of course, we heard from the 24-year-old swimmer Duncan Scott, who has now holds six Olympic medals. And as always, we hold a two truths, one lie at the end of each episode. And for Duncan, his lie was that he doesn't have eight suits. In fact, he owns a mere six. Now, without further ado, let's welcome on Fiona Crackles. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Armigo podcast. And firstly, I want to say massive congratulations uh, on your success in Tokyo, uh, which is just incredible uh, to be achieving that at this age uh, and doing university alongside that as well. I want to kind of start by just talking a little bit about kind of your childhood and things like that and how you've got to where you are today. Um, we had Scott Han on recently, who is the um, coach for the gymnast Max Whitlock and a number of others that were incredibly successful. Um, and one of the things that he kind of cited with a lot of these very successful athletes was that they'd often been through some sort of adversity in their childhood, which had got them uh, to where they were now and, and gave them that kind of mental resilience and strength to be able to, to do what they do at that kind of high level. Um, was there anything like that that kind of shaped you in your, your childhood? Wow, big question to start off. <laughs> Growing, I'm, I'm from the northwest of England um, and I don't know if, if this is like the right thing to say, but I'd say it pretty like standard family, um, two older brothers and two parents that worked. Um, and I just went to my local state school um, literally five minutes up the road, which is really lucky. Like it's a, a brilliant school. So I was, like it's a great location to be in and stuff. Like amazingly, my two older brothers started playing hockey at our local club, Kerbin Arms Hockey Club. So um, I started quite young just because classic, just wanted to fit in and play with my brothers and stuff like that. So yeah. Join join the sport so so young, which um which definitely kind of helped me kind of pick up skills and develop yeah at a really young age. So school for me was just like education like that. I had quite a separate divide, and a lot of hockey is a funny sport. It's um it's quite like a private school dominated um just because of like the facilities and stuff like that. It's definitely it's definitely getting better. Like it's definitely, definitely becoming more accessible. Like there's a big kind of push for that at the moment. But yeah, when I was at school, it was, we had like shared the community Astro, like the school didn't even own it. So we didn't really have that many fixtures and stuff. It was just, uh, yeah, school was for kind of having fun with my mates playing sport, but not really excelling in, in, in hockey or anything. So the club system was, was big for me, but because where we lived and stuff um I played locally for quite a few years until I was 15 or something and then obviously you kind of you get to that level that you need to be working up um like 
higher teams at ladies teams and I guess I mean it's like it's not a massive adversity at all but um the travel became obviously like quite quite big and quite um commitment just based on based on where I lived um it got to the point that training twice a week playing one weekend like on a Saturday um and yeah home games and training was an hour drive and I and I obviously didn't drive at that age so that was a huge commitment from my like my mum essentially to Mm. ferry me all around the country so I guess from an early age I was pretty grounded and hardworking um just because things maybe weren't as um easy like just had to kind of like plan a little bit more and, and commit more because yeah my mum would do the weekly shop when I was at training and stuff like that we had to kind of reschedule everything just so just so I could train my dad's a farmer so I think I'm <laughs> I think I learned from um, an early age like working hard like being productive and stuff like that so um, I guess these are little things that kind of influenced who I am today I mean nothing particularly challenging um, up- upbringing Ooh. but like yeah just just uh, a few little little tweaks and stuff that made maybe things a little bit different let's just touch on the hard work because you know often people that kind of have talent for these things they don't necessarily develop the hard work straight away because you know they, they, they're naturally good at it and so they can almost turn up to the training and be a bit more chill and things like that and I think it was it was one of the rugby players we had on um, play for South Africa um, and he said to us you know hard work beats talent you know every day um did you have a point where you were, you know, you were talented and you were not playing, you know, not going as hard as you could have gone um, and, that, and that changed around or were you always very much like really hard working on the pitch? Um, I would say I've probably always been quite hard working the way the way I've been brought up, um, I guess. I did kind of the um, it's called the single system. So you go to you play at county level and then. And then you kind of work, you play for like the north of England and then kind of work your way up eventually to the England age group stuff. So I was really lucky to do that a year, a year young for the under 16s. So I played for England hockey under 16s, two years and 18s, two years. So kind of was always, always seemed to be playing um, like up. So it was like an environment that was always challenging. I never really felt that I was ever kind of like coasting or settling because it always seemed that I was fight, fighting for positions, fighting for making the team and stuff like that. And same with the, as I mentioned earlier, like the travel for club hockey, I was always, I went from training five minutes away, the next jump was half an hour and then it was 45 and then it was an hour. Like the, yeah, the amount of clubs I've been to just through like junior stuff, I could like, I would be, couldn't count on one hand because I would be pushing myself to move to the next one, to the next one. And that just kind of, that's just how me and my family works. Like that's just mm. kind of what seemed right and natural at the time. Nothing pushy or anything like that. It was just like, oh, mum, I think I, I think I should be playing in this league maybe next season and stuff like that. Or this club looks really good and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely on on the same page of hard work beats talent. Um, definitely what <laughs> what a quote that I saw like um, in the gym um, a long time ago. I can't remember where I was. It was like that classic when uh when talent doesn't work hard or whatever then it's like when talent works hard you're unstoppable so I I kind of used to think about that a little bit because I knew that I was like I mean it was I loved hockey because it was fun with my mates and I knew that I was also like oh this is great because I'm also like quite good at it so I kind of always had that like if I keep working hard 
and I'm like obviously kind of got a bit of talent there as well yeah then anything could happen and then yeah here we are I mean yeah. I, w- I wouldn't have ever thought I would have gone to Olympics absolutely not but yeah it's surreal to even think about that you did move up the ranks you know pretty quickly as you say you went under 16 under 18 <laughs> were there any disappointments in any of that stage when you were moving up yeah I guess selection wise um I've always been quite lucky like that but I have had kind of a fair share of injuries and stuff like that so there's always a few setbacks along the way had a few back in uh back injuries and um hip kind of issue at the moment and stuff like that like there's always kind of things going on and I think yeah the way the way you conduct yourself in those periods or in those kind of like lows is almost more important than when you're like fit and fit and well I think it's it like when you when you're kind to yourself and you work hard when when you're not able to play that's like the the biggest strength like that's just so hard to do especially um in the senior environment yeah it feels like there's a lot of pressure to kind of be on that pitch so when you are injured if you can work hard and and rehab and get back on the pitch then they're the biggest kind of challenges there that's what that's the hardest bit I think and then at what point did you decide right I'm gonna take this you know seriously but I'm also gonna go and do a degree alongside it Good question. I feel like I never actively thought about doing hockey as a as a job. Like I think everyone assumes that or like no one really asks that. It's just like they just think, oh, yeah, she'll she'll play hockey or whatever. Don't think I really thought about it that much. My last year of under 18 England stuff. So when you're at sixth form, A-levels, parties, socials, like it feels like there's a lot, a lot to balance. Yeah. Um, I definitely started to like not enjoy hockey. I was like, it just seemed like it was getting in the way and how I felt when I was playing or whatever was great. Like it still was, I still loved it, but what I was missing out on, like someone had a house party on a Friday night or I've got a game tomorrow, like things like that do become quite important to you at that age. So I think um, that last year of school was, yeah, it was, it was difficult. I didn't really, wasn't really sure what to do didn't know where I wanted, what I wanted to study at uni there was like so many things so I took a year out I went to Australia worked in a school in Australia for a year um and yeah we lived with a host family and basically it was like a PE gappy getting paid worked it out and then converted it to pounds I was getting paid like 50p an hour like it was like you were you were paying for like the life you were getting paid for like the lifestyle and the mm-hmm. setup like it was absolutely mega loved it um that's when I had my back injury. So I actually really enjoyed being a normal person. Like I wasn't playing hockey. I was sorting out my back. Yes. But I was like going surfing, going out, doing what like everyone at age 18 should be doing. Um, and then sorted out my uni. It was like, right, I know exactly what I want to do now. Just had a few more months to think about it. So sorted out my course, sorted out my applications and stuff like that. Applied for it all, all while I was out there. The bit of help from school but not really I was just trying to work my way around UCAS like what is going on yeah. um and then yeah and that's when I was like right I'm I miss sport I miss hockey a lot so let's kind of crack on uh get a bit of my fitness back up and stuff like that and played um for yeah a few like big competitions right before I flew home so I played it in Australia quite seriously for like the last couple of months oh and uh, that was like so fun so mega I met some great people and then, yeah, once I came came back to England, it was then pre-season at Durham Uni and it was like straight back into it. And I think that's when I was like, 
right like um I want to crack on now like I want to take this seriously and then there's there's like a development squad um that feeds into the the GB senior squad it's called EDP and that's like um 21s England's 23s GB so it's kind of like the yeah the pathway to to get back into the the hockey kind of seriously stuff so tried for that and kind of got into that and yeah just kind of went from there really um but it's absolutely yeah it's it's so important to know when you're not enjoying stuff like if I hadn't taken that year out would have absolutely crashed and burned like I I wouldn't be here playing hockey full-time like I just know because I knew what was right for me in that time so it's very important to know yourself why do you think you would have crashed and burned then just because I it felt like I had done four years of of England hockey commitment like so high level stuff it just started to become yeah not something I I felt like I was I wasn't making choices anymore I was making sacrifices so uh, uh, like when I was 16 17 I was like yes I'm I actively like don't want to go to that event or whatever because the hockey thing is actually more important to me so I was like okay with that managing to balance balance my time still see people like still have like a great time yeah just that last year under um yeah under 18s mm. um yeah life life social everything kind of you're trying to work out what is the most important to you you're trying to work out you you're trying to work out so many things mm-hmm. and that's when it was like oh I'm not enjoying the fact that I'm missing these things so yeah I think if I'd just gone straight into union and hockey being serious again for like a fifth year I'd have just been like, nah, I'm done with this. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just drop out of all of it. So, yeah, and I think that has happened to a lot of people. Like, not all the best players are still playing. You forget all the class players that kind of, like, maybe got pushed a bit too hard, a bit too young and, and not playing anymore. So, yeah, yeah, stopped enjoying it. At what stage, was it straight away when you entered Durham? Because you're saying, you know, before the podcast that you do all your stuff uh, virtually. Was that as soon as you started at Durham? Um, yeah, so... When I, when I was a fresher at Durham, um, the trials for like the EDP stuff were like the following month, maybe like sept- September or something. So kind of found my feet. We had pre-season that and then it was trials for EDP. And I knew like a few people there because I'd done like, you know, stuff with them. So absolutely hot, like a solid kind of like trial. I think it was like four days or something. Um, like back to back, it was, yeah, it was mega. But yeah, because I had that time out, I was... It was so hard physically and mentally, but I was buzzing to be there. Like I wanted to push myself. I wanted to be there. So yeah, it was, um, I remember it being, I was absolutely knackered at the end of it, but I remember being so buzzing when it was done because I was like, yeah, this is, this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we had a social that night. So me and my mate who were, it was also from Durham. We had just tried and we were like driving straight back up to, from Lily Shore up to Durham. And I think like getting ready in the car, classic thing like that. But yeah. I could still balance like things and I was, but then I was more happy to say no to social events before hockey. It, I kind of got that balance. I knew where the line was and where my priorities were, which was, yeah, a good, a good place to be. Was there any, anything, cause you, yeah, you say you've got, you kind of got the balance. W- were there any things that you felt that you, you started having to sacrifice? What's difficult is when, when you join uni, you've got like all these like new, new things going on and you're trying to meet as many people as you can I think being in a, a university team 
so at Durham there's like college teams college societies which are kind of like smaller um smaller groups and then you've got the whole like represent like your uni like DU stuff so the Durham stuff uni-wise it takes up such a, a big amount of time trainings um gym sessions games and then you've got to think like game minus one or training minus one you're not going out that night or whatever so I think initially it's quite hard to meet as many people at first because you've got your hockey people you've got your hockey girls boys such an amazing club to be part of and that's such a big social circle and definitely the people I lean on the most but the other hand is like your your college and your course mates and stuff and just from the amount of time we were away training or playing or traveling to a game you do kind of miss out on initially like meeting people that you're not as exposed to at the dining hall as much because you're you've had to make a packed lunch because you've got gym or, or what anything like that so I think that was hard at first to, you felt like you were spreading yourself quite thinly kind of everywhere yeah. for like the first probably the first term like it was definitely like a a slow burn with like finding your group or like kind of however you want to view it but the college system also really does help that because it's um yeah you you're sleeping and eating in this like one kind of organization and there's obviously a lot like like-minded people so it's just I would say people doing DU sport like it just takes you a bit longer to sink into the college life <coughs> that's right um and what were some of the things that um you felt were slightly different about university um kind of play, playing amongst that that level of, um, of hockey as opposed to what you've been doing prior to that um oh it was like it was such a big switch. I remember thinking it was like such a professional setup. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, I didn't really play hockey at school that much. Um, and it was just club stuff. Um, my school didn't have a gym. I, didn't re- I hadn't really gymmed before. Um, like I would go a couple of times, like my mum or something. Like it's not, but I didn't understand how important that was to be like strong and robust. Yeah. And, and the whole uni setup, there was psych, nutrition, like the kind of the whole, the whole package, which did a bit of the England hockey stuff but day to day or like actually that being part of your week wasn't like it was completely new which was really exciting um yeah it's definitely a big step up and they kind of cared about you which was really really important you then became the um captain of the ladies ones um right when you when you're there was that in your second year and uh, what's what was that like as an experience in terms of in particular, having to, like leading your peers who you're kind of friends with and everything like that, as opposed to it just being a club level hockey. So I, I didn't really captain for very long because I then joined, got asked to join the GB seniors in January that year. So it was only really quite a short stint of like a couple of months. Mm. Um, I did really enjoy the role, though it was, it was short. Um, I think being that, liaison person being that person that um you think I'd hope I'd hope I was like very approachable and people can lean on and I'd be that person who isn't afraid to question the coach or question what we're doing or why we're doing being the voice of of my mates just for like the collective and the greater good of the team like I'm I'm a big believer in like if we all kind of if we're on the same page and we're all backing that one ethos then we might not be the most talented individuals on paper, but we can we can be a, like a, an amazing team just because we work hard and we're on the same page and we know exactly what we're doing. 
I really loved it and I'm it's like such a shame that kind of like came to an end so shortly mm. um but no it's it's so good feeling that um yeah people can 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 lean on you and rely on you and yeah being with all your mates as well I wouldn't say it kind of made our relationships any difference with my mates mm-hmm. it was just like yeah that's cool <laughs> Were there ever any times that you had to kind of give people a bit of a kick up the backside because they weren't really, uh, you know, not necessarily performing, but performing as part of that ethos that you were talking about before? Culturally, you want everyone on the same page is kind of what I was like referring to. I think the hardest conversations are like selection related ones. It's the coach's decision, but often it, they, I'd ask for like my input or kind of where, what my thoughts were on certain issues that I guess normally all happens behind closed doors so you don't really hear it and suddenly when you're in that role you're like oh my god like yeah that person hasn't been playing well recently or they're like my best mate mm-hmm. shit this is could be quite awkward here um but so yeah they're definitely the hardest conversations but ones that if you approach them co- correctly or kind of go about it the right way yeah I would hopefully I would hope hope to say that none of my mates would ever take that personally I think you've got to keep the your closest mates and like that friendship mm-hmm. and the hockey com- conversation like if that stays separate then it's fine because obviously they would they would know that any section decision isn't based on anything to do with us us being mates and stuff like that so they're definitely the hardest conversations but ones you've <clears throat> ones you've always got to have and we're all competitive individuals like they know it's a it's tough to to get on on that first team or whatever so that's that's definitely the trickiest ones to talk about how how do you actually go about approaching them then and I guess the earlier you can like have those conversations with players and um, the better because sometimes it's like oh you, do, you don't want it to feel like you're kind of been blindsided or if you're getting drops that weekend and stuff like that so sometimes if we, tra- we train twice a week so it'd be like good if you could if that was potentially this player x might might be it's kind of borderline this weekend if you can just speak to them on the first training session of the week being like oh not to like stress you out put pressure on you at the moment and stuff like that but section is quite up in the air like if you can do like as much as you can put in 110 that'll be that will be noticed that will be kind of looked at so mm-hmm. i guess that that kind of helps but then any conversation you're just gonna be honest as you can gonna know all the facts like why aren't they actually being selected not just like shit you're not selected yeah and yeah definitely honesty is the best policy like if they have been training rubbish the last few weeks I guess put it nice better nice than that but just just kind of be as open as possible and yeah normally the conversations are very amicable obviously no one likes to be dropped and stuff like that but hopefully it just fuels and motivates them instead of putting them down then you obviously went to the doing the stuff with the GB squad um how did those sort of conversations change uh, in an even higher kind of uh, level of environment? Joining a senior GB team, I kind of knew, I have like a reasonably thick skin, but um, obviously nothing really like prepares you for what training is going to be like day to day, week to week, or kind of the expectations and kind of the whole the whole package really. I think it's a very open and honest training environment. Like if... Yeah, we've got like a lot of values and cultures and stuff like that. Um, but if someone's not working hard or someone thinks someone's not working hard or should have trapped that or should have done that, 
you get told you, you're very much like it's, it's you get told in the moment which is definitely the way to do it like we want to drive our standards we want to we want to be the best team we can be so in a uni environment you maybe someone's playing a bit rubbish or messing around or whatever people just kind of like brush get brushed under the carpet or whatever like it's just kind of like oh they're just having an off day um yes you can have an off day everyone's human yeah. but standards are definitely so so high um and yeah sometimes you're like oh my god are they having like a personal attack at me or something like if you maybe you've had like a few comments from the same person but like it is absolutely never like that it's just people are there to um breed the culture and and hard work and it's making sure that you don't take any of that personally and if you are thinking wow that had a few personal tones in it then it's it the the learning the quick learning I kind of took from that is yeah just grab them for a chat after the after training or whatever being like oh are we all right like it just seemed like you were kind of like nagging at me a little bit today and they're like no, no no like just for like I like genuinely believe that you could have done better in those situations like I just actually back you so much it's it's always like it's always that angle and it's never any personal but that was a huge yeah fast learning curve um mm. to kind of things get set on the pitch and they're always either in the heat of the moment or just coming from like a, a good place it's just don't take them personally but that was definitely different from a uni environment where everyone's like speaks to each other quite pretty nicely yeah. and um yeah. <laughs> and what was one of the most surprising things about the culture um, in the kind of GB hockey squad? Um, so I say that, and I'm going to completely con- contradict myself. Um, so on the pitch, very much driving standards and stuff like that. But actually, obviously, each team's different. Each cycle, you've got different people and stuff like that. But our group is like so caring. Um, we we do like these like personality profiles from our um, like psych kind of um, part of it. And um, there's like, you get like different colors and basically we're massive, like a majority, which we're like green, I think, which is basically care- caring people. Um, so we, okay, we are like trying to be um, push standards and, and set expectations and be like that. But we, in meetings or as we conduct ourselves on trips or while we're away or, if you notice someone who's normally really bubbly in the warm-up isn't bubbly in the warm-up, like you will have like two, three people come up to you and be like, is everything okay? Like what's kind of going on in your life at the moment and stuff like that. Like it's um, such a caring group, which I think you forget people are like human and normal, regardless of having 250 senior GB caps. Like it, mm. it's like you, you, these people used to be my role models and now they're my teammates. And now they're asking me if I'm okay. Like, it was all a quick, a quick learning curve in the in the first few weeks, months of of joining the program. I think for um, firstly, it's, it's so good that you managed to kind of reach that level, and and uh, thanks for being so honest about all that stuff. Um, but I think uh, one thing that's interesting is um, other people that kind of might you know be looking at you and achieving all these sort of things are going, wow, you know, she's absolutely got everything uh, sorted in her life, and she's absolutely nailing it. What what sort of things were you still kind of struggling with? um on a day-to-day basis when you were kind of building up for the olympics and that sort of thing um oh my god where to even begin (laughs) i think it's so funny people like when i was this was me a couple years ago you see 
like not even just in the hockey world in in, in any sporting environment you're like oh my god they are killing it like Ooh. they have their life together yeah yeah I don't think anyone does I think everyone just fakes it I, I'm, I'm convinced like everyone pretending they've got their shit together and they don't <laughs> um yeah oh god it was first few weeks months definitely kind of right up until the Olympics at the Olympics yeah I've had um a lot of kind of self-doubt and, and and confidence kind of issues you can have um a couple of days or weeks that you're like oh my god like I'm I'm being indecisive I'm not training well um should I be here like it's it's so easy when you're training every day with the same people because of lockdown you're not really seeing other people mm. um to get so fixated on your performance or kind of how you're feeling and let that massively spiral within potentially in another environment if you could could have a release could meet other people go to the pub stuff like that you can you can unwind and I think joining the squad when I did was amazing such an incredible opportunity when when things were like not really happening in the world so that was amazing but then that also made my entry and breaking into the squad so different to anyone else's um, I couldn't, I could only see these people at the pitch. I couldn't then go and get to know them in a different environment and stuff like that. So it was so, such a bizarre few, few months. And it just made the whole thing so intense because there was kind of no release. So I think definitely the first few, maybe like first month, two, two months, it was like mega because you're, you're new into the squad. No one really expects anything from you. Um, so anything you do do good it's like oh cool that 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 new that new girl's actually all right at whatever and whatever so you kind of those few months fly by and you just kind of lapping everything up just trying to take everything in your stride then yeah once then people then expect things from you and then you don't play well that's Mm -hmm. when it's that's when you just kind of have that roller coaster of like overthinking for me it was like massively overthinking indecision on the ball when normally I'm the kind of player that just goes in the flow backs herself like stuff like that yeah I started having those things those issues right around when Olympic selection was and stuff like that so because it had been yeah a few months and then selection comes out um well to our squad quite a bit earlier than it comes out publicly so yeah things things are kind of becoming a lot more pressurized for me at like the 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 worst time but that's when you've got to know your know yourself know your limits reach out to mates reach out to psych psychology support and stuff like that and and kind of get through that um there's some great coaches that I've managed to like lean on and stuff because yeah all these you know all these things that you're feeling Mm. literally 95% of the coaches that used to be players or players around you have all been through but you just go through at different times so yeah I've had yeah, m- many a many a thing. Um, even at the Olympics, there was yeah games and days that I was just like, oh my god, I don't think I should be here. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy. You just go through a roller coaster of emotions, and sometimes you're your worst enemy, and you need to lean on the right people and your mates or and people in the squad, and they're like, you're being absolutely ridiculous, <laughs> and just to kind of yeah sort yourself out and then get back on track. When you went to the psychologist, what would you say was one of the kind of leading bits of advice that they gave you that you kind of still remember to this day it was always that 
I was doubting myself and thinking others were doubting me, but it was actually me being my worst enemy. So um, so it was on the line of like keeping thoughts very rational. So for for kind of the confidence piece, you think you make one mistake or you do something one something so so minor in training or a game, and you think confidence like is gone, like it's just like something you either have or you don't have. How I start to view it. So you know, in up with all the balloons, yeah, um, that like pulls you up. So you should see confidence as like, um, like a like you're holding like a massive, massive like plume, plume of balloons. I don't know what you'd call a gathering of balloons. So you're holding loads of balloons, and say you mistrap a ball goes off the side of the pitch. Oh, not ideal. But that's one balloon pop. But you've still got like 50 whatever like whatever you want to kind of like visualize it as yeah. still holding all these balloons and that shouldn't mean like it's a, it's a bank of it's a bank of stuff and good things add balloons and just because you do one thing that's you're not letting go of all of them it's it's like a collect like a collective and they come and go yes but you should always have that that like hold like the you're holding on to the rest of it so that's kind of as a a big thing which I started started to use and yeah in in Olympic games like I would make a mistake and you have to spend a millisecond but that millisecond spent thinking oh that's just one balloon that's just one balloon yeah Again. that's really good advice I love that actually. <laughs> um it's n- not to do me it's Bex thanks Bex, <laughs> <laughs> Bex. um talk about kind of building good routines and habits because you know to- <clears throat> doing all the stuff you're doing degree and you know all the sport and everything like that you've got to ultimately have some good habits in place um what are some of the like if you're if you're telling someone else that's about to go through um the experience you've gone through what's one thing that you kind of wish you'd adopted earlier that you'd say to them uh, to start to start doing like time management is not one of my strengths so being organized but i mean everyone's different but like if i try and lay out what I'm going to do for every half an hour of the day and I then fall behind by half an hour and start missing stuff that then becomes a very unproductive kind of like not a helpful way of of doing life for me um I a big one is getting enough sleep definitely kind of get a good sleep cycle um which is always easier said than done and and yeah having having lists of what you want to do and kind of achieve in days but not to the point that you you kind of stress yourself out when you kind of do or don't achieve those things so write things down list things out brill tick them off that makes you feel great but don't hold yourself so accountable that you it kind of becomes a oh my goodness I've not I've done this and this and I should have done those four days ago Mm. they were on my list back on like in Monday on Monday but now it's Friday weather so that's yeah organization time management but the, the classics the buzzwords but don't yeah. kind of don't get overly stressed by them Fiona what does success actually mean to you because it's a team sport like you can be very successful as a collective but potentially feel like you've still got like a long way to go like me being a young player in in the in that kind of senior setup we were successful at the Olympics um but I still hope that I've got like a lot more 
to learn to 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 give and 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 perform yeah. um so i think being successful kind of has like two well it's obviously got like a lot of like strands to it but i think i would quite like to get to the place that i can feel like i can consistently perform personally which then impacts a a greater collective um yeah and that probably comes with age and and experience and more caps and exposure to the highest level of play but I think feeling as a feeling like success I want to have is the feeling of of that consistency and performance rather than the collective success if that makes sense yeah and do you like do you believe that you'll definitely reach that stage oh god who knows i mean anything can anything can happen like injury and mm. and if you start if if i stop enjoying it i'll stop playing i don't think i'll be that person that plays and plays and plays but you can tell that they don't love it anymore i think mm. i'll hopefully be honest and true to myself that i'll yeah i'll keep hope, hopefully pushing myself improving and and hopefully succeeding but I won't stop if I'm not succeeding but I will stop if I'm not enjoying it anymore um just because life's too short to kind of be doing things that aren't on like you're, you're not in love with anymore like you're not like filling you with excitement so mm. uh yeah hopefully I will keep being successful but we'll see <laughs> yeah no that's absolutely brilliant and so for people that are kind of you know listening to this podcast uh and are tracking you know you, you how you progress and everything um, what are some of the next things that we should be looking out for? Um, so we were back training as a GB setup in January. Uh, so we've got a bit of time off now just to do club hockey stuff, which is really exciting. Um, but that's going to be a mega busy three years. Uh, got Commonwealth Games, um, World Cup, Paris Olympics. So all these things kind of in a very short space of time. For me, I just want to as I said, be enjoying it. Uh, want to be fit, hopefully like minimal injuries and, and yeah, be, be hopefully like a consistent performer in the team and, and get more exposure and like so much more learnings and, and stuff. Like I'm, I still feel so new um, mm. and, and thrown into the deep end of this environment. So just yes. to feel kind of settled, just to kind of like, yeah find my feet again in January and and go from there I think you'll you'll laugh quite a lot when you look back on this episode in a couple of years time when you're <laughs> than everything you probably uh, but no Fiona thanks so much for coming coming on to the Ongo podcast um the final question of course is going to be the two truths and one lie uh, I'm buzzing okay and they've got them on my phone um okay number one I was given a cow when I was born by my granddad, which has the same birthday as me. Okay. I have three dogs called Snap, Crackle and Pop. Okay. Because of my surname. Um, and then I live in a tiny little village, but it's the same village as Jonathan Warburton, the bread guy. So there we go, two truths and one lie from Fiona. I hope you gained something out of that episode. It was certainly very interesting. And I loved her technique there with envisaging the balloons. Now make sure to follow Armago on Instagram where we've got plenty of updates coming out. 
and we will soon be doing an Instagram Live with Fiona. That's it for this week, we'll see you next week.